Hi there, everyone. This is James Eek, and you're listening to the Warrior's Way Podcast, Season 3, Episode 129. We're going to kick things off in a minute with an awesome look at using the Jungian technique of active imagination to get more insight into your life, the workings of your mind, and just more from life and training and all the rest. But first... If you're a long-time listener, maybe you've already heard, but maybe not. (laughs) And if you're new, you definitely haven't heard. The Warrior's Way podcast has, well, a relatively new thing that is called the Warrior's Way online training program. So if you're looking for ways to improve your training and improve your life, and if you want to be able to take all the cool stuff that we talk about here and well, amplify it even more, I think I've got something for you. Like I mentioned, it's called the Warrior's Way Online Training Program. And it is the culmination of about 40 years of my life training. Um, I've been thinking about doing something like this for years. It's, you know, how I can get a chance to reach out to more people and offer a more in-depth approach to how I train and what training means to me. And the podcast is part of that, but you know what? We live in modern times, unless you're listening to this way in the future, and then we're living in the ancient times. (laughs) Anyhow, but we have a thing called the internet. Imagine that. And uh, it allows us to be able to train with each other around the world. So why not use it, people? You can get virtual one-on-one time with me in a variety of disciplines. You can get some awesome and unique online martial arts fusion classes that I've put together from about 10 different martial arts. And you can learn how to meditate, how to put breath work practice into your life. You can get some wicked killer workouts. There's a whole lot of stuff there. The Warriors Way Online Training Program, I think, has something for everyone. And if it doesn't, well, I don't know how else I can make it. (laughs) So there's something for everyone. Well, there's no horseback riding and there is no kite flying. So maybe there's not something for everyone, but for everyone that likes to train, there is something for you, I can guarantee it. So if you want to get in the shape of your life, if you want to hone your martial arts skills or improve your mobility, learn how to meditate, um, start a breathwork practice like I mentioned, you can do all of this and more. So you might be wondering to yourself, how the heck can I get doing that? Well, (laughs) all you have to do is go onto the interwebs and check out the podcast website at www.warriorsway.ca. That's warriorsway.ca. And there is a portal there to get into the online training program. It breaks down the membership and all that kind of stuff. And you can start training with me today from wherever you are around the world. So what I would recommend is if you're interested, and I hope you are, drop me a line. And we can talk about how to get you started. Because there's a bunch of different membership tiers. And I'd rather you got, you know, what works best for you. You can have it any way you want it. So, 
Warriors Way online training program. Get doing it. Support what we're doing here. Go to warriorsway.ca. Now, before I kick off, like I mentioned, it seems like forever. (laughs) We are still in the zany, weird, and not wonderful world of COVID. Here in Canada, we're in the fourth wave. And it doesn't look like this is going to end anytime soon. And it's mostly because of people not getting vaccines, to be frank. Um, Get yourself the shot or the shots. Uh, It's the only way we're going to get through this, folks. There are going to be more variants if we don't stop this in its tracks. We could easily end this thing. Well, maybe not easily, but we can end it within a short period of time if everybody did what they have to do so that we can stop it. Or we can live in, you know, the alternate universe that we could well be headed for where this is with us for the rest of our lives. And yay for that. Thank you so much, all of you that are not getting the vaccine. Anyhow, without pointing fingers, but I am. (laughs) Get your shot. Don't be silly. It's going to make it so you don't drop dead of this. And if you ask me, that's a good thing. Um, And not to mention that, you know, if we can do the things that we need to do, like get a vaccine, wear a mask all the time when you're around other people. Yeah. Um, We can actually stop this thing. So I would like to go back to a world where I spent my days thinking about other things than COVID. So, all you have to do is get a shot, roll up your sleeve. Don't be ridiculous. It's science, folks. All right, let's crack on. Some years ago, I was talking to a friend who was also a Zen teacher about prayer. He mentioned that he had been in the practice of talking to Kuan Yin, who is the Bodhisattva of compassion. He was doing this every day for some time until he realized that he was talking to himself and decided to stop. And this left me with a question. Why should he have stopped just because he was talking to himself? Kuan Yin also known as Kanzion or Avalokitesvara, is one of the cosmic or archetypical, archetypical, archetypal, there we go, archetypal bodhisattvas of Mahayana Buddhism. These larger-than-life figures are beings dedicated to the salvation of all beings, whose presence and powers are cosmic in scope. There's Kuan Yin, Jizo, Manjushri, Tara, and dozens and dozens of others. They've been real and important presences in Buddhist history. Throughout Buddhist stories, they have been part of the mythology. They've been prayed to, depicted in art, worshipped, channeled, and even identified with. Some Buddhists think they're real. Others view them as products of the mind. Focuses of meditation or imagined embodiments of archetypes. Still others refuse to make a clear distinction between them being real and being unreal. 
As in the case of one Tibetan teacher who, when asked if cosmic bodhisattvas are real, replied, well, yes, but they know they're not. It is, I think, natural when one takes up a Mahayana practice like devotion to a cosmic bodhisattva or the deity yoga practices of Tibetan Buddhism to wonder if the being one is imagining is real or not. As for myself, I concluded with all due respect to others who view it differently that cosmic bodhisattvas are imaginary characters who Buddhists have invested with a degree of power that may be transpersonal. In other words, although I don't believe Kuan Yin is an objectively real being outside of human minds, I believe her power transcends that which I give her with my own personal mind. I think there's room for mystery here. Has Kuan Yin really appeared to lost pilgrims in the mountains of Asia and guided them home, as many have reported? Maybe she has even being a mere product of the human mind. This way of viewing the bodhisattvas is similar to the way archetypes of the collective unconscious function in the psychological theories of psychiatrist Carl Jung, who in fact invented the term archetype. I've been u- it's the term I've been using here. Archetypes are imaginary beings. They exist outside of a particular human mind and have a certain autonomy. They function within the collective psyche and the world due to the mysterious powers of our collective human mind. Jung developed a way of accessing the figures of our unconscious, both the archetypes and more local personal symbols, in a practice that he called active imagination. It consists of actively dialoguing with symbolic figures who are invited to appear in one's imagination. Active imagination is distinct from fantasy, wrote Jung, meaning that the images encountered in active imagination have a life of their own and that the symbolic events develop according to their own logic. Jung himself had a long series of conversations with a being who he recorded in his Red Book. Having practiced and led active imagination sessions myself, I wondered, could bodhisattvas be accessed this way? Within the paradigm of active imagination, the bodhisattva is a figure that embodies and channels the wisdom they represent to us. They become a way to access the wisdom we hide from ourselves, the wisdom that is unconscious. I thought this was worth an experiment, and I asked another Zen friend of mine which bodhisattva I should talk to. In true Zen fashion, he gave me a wise and surprising answer. He thought I should talk to Fudo. Fudo is depicted as a fierce warrior a manifestation of the wisdom mind of the primordial Buddha. He's a guardian, a defender of boundaries, and an incinerator of obstacles to enlightenment. He's often depicted carrying a sword and a noose. He would not have been my first choice. I was thinking of Jizo, the gentle monk-like bodhisattva who protects children and the lost, ferrying them through the darkness. But the more I thought about Fudo, though, 
as well as my own struggles to maintain good boundaries in my life and my long-standing struggle with certain persistent obstacles. The more I thought Fudo might indeed be just right. I decided the only way to decide would be to talk to him. Following the protocol for an active imagination session, I sat down somewhere quiet, I closed my eyes, and I imagined myself entering a space that symbolizes my own unconscious mind. I walked down a stone spiral staircase inside a mountain in a dark circular space. There in the center, luminous with fire, was Fudo. I asked him questions and listened to the responses. In this practice, you do not deliberately imagine a reply from the being, but rather wait and let them reply in a way that feels autonomous. This does actually happen, and the being often says surprising and sometimes shocking things, which, by virtue of the logic of the exercise, get around your natural ego filters. By the end of our discussion, I was convinced Fudo was the right choice to be my guardian. I vividly imagined myself walking over a green field towards a huge tree, which had a spiral staircase in its trunk that led into the ground. And I walked down the spiral into a very dark place where there was a cavern with a simple empty altar. I left flowers and incense and invited Fudo to appear. And he did, hovering above the altar, surrounded in flames, his body bronze. I asked him what message he had for me. You have to be willing to die, he said. How do I do that? You need to die to the things you're clinging to. Let go of the things you're carrying. Let them burn away. Be willing for my flames to burn them to ash. How do I do that, I asked. Wait patiently through the pain and anxiety that arises, and trust me, I'll burn them away without hurting you. You'll emerge on the other side stronger. I felt carried or supported by Fudo, who had the look of a fierce but wise and loyal general within the flames. I'm here for you, he said, tapping a staff to the ground. And I thanked Fudo and left an offering again, then walked up the spiral and out of the tree, knowing the next step was to take action. I thought of things I needed to let go of. For five days, I met with Fudo in my internal sacred space, each time talking with him and listening to what he had to say, then leaving imaginary offerings, which is a Buddhist touch, and walking back up the stairs to the virtual forested ground above. And during those days, Fudo quickly became my guide and friend in setting stronger boundaries in my practice and life. And being more willing to be fierce in confronting the obstacles that I say I want to let go while still keeping just a pocketful in and around in case I need them. And my conclusion is that Buddhist practice and active imagination are a fruitful fusion. Especially, but not exclusively, for those who like to relate to cosmic bodhisattvas, but who, like me, are not of a devotional bent. It opens a unique pathway. Here are some brief 
brief instructions on doing this experiment for yourself. One is the preparation. Get writing materials ready and then sit somewhere quiet and private and close your eyes and imagine yourself entering into the depths of your own mind. You might picture this as walking into a forest glade or into a cave or a temple or down a spiral staircase into a cavern, which is my favorite. Next is the invitation. Imagine the bodhisattva or spiritual figure you want to speak to and invite them to appear. Don't worry if you experience some mental static or false starts. Keep trying until you feel that they are present. Or at least that a clear mental image of some kind appears. Ask them if they are who you want to talk to. If they say yes, keep going. If not, invite who you want to appear. The next is the dialogue. Once they appear, begin asking them questions. I often start with, what do you have to teach me? Or a more specific question arising from challenges in my spiritual practice. I'll ask questions until it feels right to stop or until metal, mental static takes over, as happens. Then I leave an offering or make some other gesture of gratitude and respect and imagine myself leaving the space. The fourth is embodiment. I then write down what I saw and the conversation as clearly as possible. There are recommendations of integrating what you've learned into your life through action. So making changes or a physical ritual of some kind. Now one warning. Active imagination is not possession. And it is not contact with a higher authority. What it is, is a dialogue between the conscious mind and a guide or symbolic force. The ego, with its sense of ethics and values, should remain in charge. The job of the ego is not to submit to the entities encountered, but to responsibly integrate what they have to say with ethical responsibility and common sense. On the one hand, this means one doesn't have to, and in fact shouldn't, uncritically listen to whatever they have to say. On the other hand, this does mean one is allowed to talk back. So that fantastic article I found in the ever-amazing archives of Tricycle Magazine, which I love, by the way. Um, the article was written by Matthew Ginden. I, at least that's how I think you pronounce the name. He's a journalist and meditation teacher near my own neck of the woods in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yay, British Columbia. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> great article. You might think talking to an imaginary friend is not necessarily the best way for an adult to live life. But as a tool in our training toolbox, the psychological genius Carl Jung's process of active imagination can literally change your life. Or at least, active imagination is a powerful tool for training and development if you learn to use it right. The best part of it is that you've likely done this before when you were a kid 
and your imagination brought to life conversations that few of us adults even think about on a day-to-day basis. But they were key elements of the universe we lived in when we were small. Now, you might think to yourself, eek, (laughs) buddy, are you suggesting that I have an imaginary friend-like conversation as part of my training? Come on. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That is actually what I'm suggesting. (laughs) Um, What we have to remember is that the levels of our mind are a much deeper ocean than we understand. Even those of us who have spent decades or maybe even a lifetime meditating only really are aware or understand maybe a bucket or two of that ocean. Some people, you know, the Einsteins of the mind, people like Jung or Zen Master Dogen, they might have a bucket or two more of understanding But that extra insight is worth listening to, and it's worth hoisting aboard. The insights that Jung received through active imagination revolutionized not just psychology, but how we view the mind. Think about that. When we are actively integrating active imagination into our toolbox of techniques, the important thing to remember is that just like a physical workout or working on your jujitsu positions, if you don't work at it, active imagination's actual potential for you won't be realized. It will be like that person who says they want to learn how to meditate. They try at a time or two and then they say that I can't meditate or I can't find the time or simply don't get the point. Active imagination, it can be a tool to help you to tap into the collective unconscious, which if you don't know what that is, that's a place in our deepest depths of the mind that is likely inherited from our ancestors and it isn't shaped by our personal experience or ego. It's a place of memory and impulses that is not just common to all of us, but something that the individual isn't even aware of in our walkabout life. We can get in touch with this through our dreams and our interpretation of them. But we can also get there with active imagination. The practice of active imagination is to plumb the collective unconscious for contact with archetypes and allow for a non-forced conversation with aspects of these archetypes. And there are lots of different archetypes, by the way. There's the father, the mother, the wise old person, the trickster, the hero, and a whole bunch of others. And these archetypes can blend with each other or take on different faces. The important thing with this training tool is not to force it, but to make it something somewhat similar to meditation, where you're watching thoughts arise without attachment to them and with active imagination using the same tact and see what the conversation brings. Ever one to go back to Star Wars analogies? 
I like to think that it is our chance to take part in actual conversations with our own versions of those cool Jedi Force ghosts. Heck, for that matter, have a conversation with Yoda about your training. See what he says and see what he suggests. What I've found is that it's easiest to allow this form of training to evolve in an in, in a organic sort of way. Sort of just reach out into that ocean of the mind that we were talking about and allow some suggestions about who to speak to and what you'll usually find is something or someone will come to mind. It could be someone from a dream. Maybe it'll be a grandparent. Maybe... It'll be a more classical archetype. Maybe it'll be a religious one. Maybe it'll be, you know, a Buddhist bodhisattva, or it could be Jesus himself. Or it could be, like I said, some awesome Jedi master. The thing is, the thing you are talking to in your active imagination meditation is not actually an entity like we think about. It's a process that's helping you to translate in a way the knowledge and memory that is transmitting out of the collective unconscious. A collective unconscious that speaks in a bit of a different language of sorts. So conversing with an archetype figure allows for some of that innate wisdom and knowledge that is under the surface of that ocean to come out in a way that you can understand it better. What you might find in these conversations, by the way, might surprise you. You might get a different outlook. Maybe you'll get some advice to live in a more conscious and compassionate manner. Maybe you might even find that talking to what is really just an aspect of yourself that you haven't noticed before will give you the ability to see your life and life itself in a way that you haven't before. Maybe it'll be more real, more healthy, more present. What I've found in my life, in my training, is that it is far greater to have multiple ways or a number of tools that I have to access to both examine my life and not just help with my training and help to navigate this life and who I am. Socrates, if you remember, said that an unexamined life is not worth living. And what we need to understand is that training and living itself are one in the same massive ocean. We are all standing on the beach looking out sunset is on the way and it's our choice how far out we want to wade into that ocean and explore it and find its potential and undiscovered amazingness i for one want to learn as much as i can how about you And with that, let's go to the question of the week. The question of the week is from, I believe you would pronounce her name Zia, or it could be Zaya, I guess. It's a very cool name, though. So I'll say Zaya. I like that sound. Zaya 
says, it's probably Zia, <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I really appreciate what you are doing and encouraging people to get more from training and really expanding how they train and live. Where I live, though, there is not a whole lot in terms of instruction and things outside of what I already do with my karate school, which is awesome and is forming a solid base for me. What would you suggest someone do if they don't have access to Zen masters or pretty much anything? <laughs> well, that sounds like my childhood. <laughs> um, that's a great question. First off, thanks so much for listening. And for all of you that are listening, thank you. And all of you who are always listening, man, thank you so much. Um, I checked lately and this podcast has had well over 40,000 listens now, which blows my mind. You may be wondering, why am I even mentioning this right now? And Zia or Zaya asked such a cool question. Well, because it's kind of part of the whole thing. Um, I'll tell you something. I grew up on a small farm, and I'll tell you that 40 to 50 years ago, there was a whole lot less around, especially in rural areas of Canada. And guess what? We didn't have the internet. Didn't exist. Well, maybe it existed in some lab, but I can definitely tell you 40 to 50 years ago, we didn't have the internet. We had a whole lot of things like, I can't even remember what it's called. You pick up the phone and there's somebody already on it in another house. <laughs> you didn't even have your own phone line, which sounds crazy. Um, anyways, I'm going off track here. But there was no internet. There was no podcast. There was none of this stuff. I didn't know anybody who meditated. Think about that. And yet somehow I latched on as a kid to this thing called Zen as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. Because you see, what I had back then and what I have now is this burning desire to learn and to train and to figure stuff out and to think deep thoughts for myself. So what I did is I read so many books and articles on training that looking back on that kid that was me, I'm honestly kind of blown away. What a weird kid. <laughs> Before I started training in the martial arts, I was training myself based on those books. I was setting up little, I thought of them, as, well, depending on the day, they were either Jedi camps or ninja camps or samurai camps or whatever. And I just kind of dreamed up ways to train around the farm. I was figuring stuff out. I was this weird, apparently little kid who was teaching himself how to meditate. And like I said, I had all these crazy Jedi ninja training camps all around the barn and inside the barn and everywhere else in the woods. And I was figuring out how to make and use my own version of what 
weapons should be, <laughs> which is a little bit scary, um, and how to get the body to do the things that I was reading about in all these books and articles. And fast forward to today, I'm talking to you in this podcast, which is an extension of all of that. It's still me figuring things out, setting up virtual training camps of the mind and the body and the spirit in the interwebs. Heck, I've got a virtual one, like I mentioned at the beginning, the Warriors Way online training program. It is the same thing. So, my suggestion for any of you that are in that same kind of boat is to read as much as you can. Buy books. Go to the library if you don't have the money, money to buy books and take, take out as many books as you can. Read, devour this material. And there are a ton of great books these days available. And they're way easier to get than when I was a kid. And if you don't know, I had to go to the local library to do all this when I was a kid. It's a whole lot different. You can find online instruction that is really great quality as well. And in almost anything these days. Whether it is with my Warriors Way online training program or with any other awesome group or teacher that does these things. And thanks to COVID, we have all come to realize the true potential of online learning and meeting, I think. I myself currently meet regularly with two different Zen groups completely online, and it's awesome. And the last thing I would say is to be and allow yourself to be creative. Creativity will keep you active and it'll keep you learning and finding new ways to do things. And I will give you a little secret. You are your best teacher. You are your only teacher. Never forget that. You are your best teacher. The teachers in your life that you are going to meet are people that are pointing the direction, but it is up to you to learn. So take responsibility for that. And I really believe that when a student is ready to learn, a teacher is going to appear. You just have to recognize it. You have to see it. So put it out there and just keep doing the work and take responsibility for your life and your training and amazing things are going to happen. You'll see. Thanks for the great question. And I got to drift off on memory lane back to <laughs> young Jimmy Eek. Wow, man, what a trip. And with that, I think we're going to draw it to a close. If you have a question you'd like to have me answer on the podcast, please drop me a line. And if you would just like to drop me a line and say, hey, I like this podcast. This is really fun. This is cool. I like the stuff you talk about. You told me to speak up to imaginary friends, and now I talk to Obi-Wan Kenobi all day long, and I don't want to go to work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so drop me a line. I'd love to hear, I, and I do love to hear from all of you that do drop me a line. Uh, as you can imagine, I am not doing this for myself. I am doing this trying to give back to this universe for um, all the amazing things that it, it has given me. And it all comes through the kind of things that we talk about here. So... 
There you go. If you would like to internet stalk me, <laughs> uh, you could find the Warriors Way podcast on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find the Warriors Way podcast and the Warriors Way online training program at our website, www.warriorsway.ca. If you want to support us and all the, and I say us as in me, if you want to support us, um, to make sure that this thing keeps going, um, we are on Patreon and you can find that link on the website. And there is also a page on there called Check It Out and you can pick up books and various other things and we get a small cut, a very small cut, but we get a small cut for anything that you order from that and I've got things from starting up your own Zen practice to martial art books you should read and other assorted cool stuff. And I try to add stuff as much as I can without, you know, putting everything in the entire universe on there. Hey, check this out. It is a, uh, I don't know, a fridge magnet. Buy this fridge magnet. Hey, check this out. This is a door. <laughs> You'll find none of that there. It is more about training. So anyways, your support it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, the other thing is if you like the kind of things that I've talked about for all these podcasts, uh, you can pick up a copy of one of the books that I've written on training. There are two of them. A Wolf in the Woods is the most recent one, and Warrior's Way is the other. You can get those for your Kobo, for your Kindle, or you can get a paperback copy on Amazon. Just check it out. And all the links for that are also, you can find those on the website, www.warriorsway.ca. All right, so until next time, folks, go talk to an imaginary friend. You might find that you're going to learn something. And at the end of the day, you're going to chill out. And that is not a bad thing either. So, until next time, train hard, have fun, and be a good friend. And like I say every week, really think hard about what that means. How can you be a good friend? What can you do today? What can you do all the time. Thanks a lot.